0: Is it June yet? A storied CFL franchise. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. With a loyal and
1: passionate
2: following. We finally can say we're champions. Bring it back to the seat of champions. This is the show that brings you the stories and personalities of the green and gold. Yeah. 6.30 6.30 chat. This is the Eskimos Show. Now your host, Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio. 6.30 chat. Well, good evening everyone. Six minutes
1: after eight o'clock, it's Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Morley, On the 6.30 Ched Morning News for the better part of the next two weeks. So you got me tonight, you got me next Monday. And in between tonight and next Monday, the Eskimos will play their fourth game of the season. It is week five of the CFL season. Eskimos taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. You can catch it live right here on 6.30 Ched. Our pregame show begins at 3.30. The opening kickoff is at 5 o'clock. The Eskimos with a big win. On Tuesday, why do I say big win? Because they're all big wins in a football season. They win by a score of 20-16 to 16 over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to run their record to 2-1. and one. They have won two straight since losing uh, 45-37 to the Ottawa Red Blacks in overtime in week number one. Some big offensive numbers in that game and some great defense,
0: and here is how it sounded. It's the Eskimos and Bombers. Let's light this rocket. We're underway in Winnipeg. And uh, Fogg will take it at the 12-yard line. He gets up across the 20. The 25 finds a lane on the outside, but just gets cut from behind at the last second by Neil King. Nice special teams tackle for King. Now a 49-yard field goal attempt. Far-right hash marks here for Sean White to put an 18-in-a-row streak on the line from the 49. He hit from 51 last week. Ball is pinned. Kick is up. And... It's dropping short, so the streak is over. Ball is pinned by Matt Nichols, and it goes up, and it's a 3-0 lead for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Eskimos. Hurry up, offense for the Bombers. They snap the ball, Willie goes quickly. Colert's got it. Touchdown, Winnipeg. This one's all Rory Colert. He finishes it off with a touchdown reception, just getting inside coverage. On Cord Parks, third and six for the Eskimos as they get set to punt it away. And they're going to fake it and give it to Calvin McCarty. Flags fly as McCarty kind of battles his way across the 45 as they direct snap the football to Jordan Lynch who gave it to McCarty.
1: Looks like it's against the Eskimos so... When I looked up, Grant was not in his normal spot to yeah. punt, so they kind of gave it away there.
3: Edmonton, number 25. Telugu be declined. Play results in a turnover on downs. First down, Winnipeg.
0: Riley takes the snap drops back throws there it is touchdown Corey Watson this one's going to count the Eskimos finally get themselves a touchdown lots of motion in that backfield Morley, and that frees up Corey Watson kick is through for Sean White who's back on the board and that'll get the Eskimos on the board now 10-3 for the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the Eskimos ball is up And it's through, and the Bombers take a 13-3 lead over the Eskimos in the dying moments of this first half of play here in Winnipeg. Dressler will hold. There's the snap, ball is down, kick is up. For Medlock and it's going to go wide and bounce and Kenzel Doe will bring it out across the five. He'll head to the ten before he gets roped down and the Eskimos will start a hundred yards from where they want to be at the ten yard line. This one from twenty nine. Lynch pins. Ball is up and it's good. Tie ball game 13-13. The Eskimos and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers five minutes and twelve seconds to go in the third quarter of play first down from the twenty six. Motion starts. Corey Watson moves from the left side to the right side. Play action to White. Riley delivers. It's up in the air off Bowman. And it's intercepted. Bowman juggled it. Oh, nope. But nope. the Bombers come up with it. Dressler pins. And the ball is up and through. And it's 16-13 for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Dressler and Collett were split wide. The other three in motion. Harris in the backfield with Willie to protect. Willie drops back. Harris releases. Willie's going deep, though. Intercepted. Eskimos have it. It's intercepted at the 10-yard line, and the Eskimos will take over. J.C. it with the fevery, And the Eskimos get the ball right back. Willie drops back. Sets and throws, and it is... Intercepted. Eskimo football coming back the other way. The Eskimos will win this one as Neil King intercepts it, drops. I'm sure with everyone yelling at him to drop to the ground, does so at the 28-yard line, and the clock runs out, and the Eskimos will win it. Second straight win for the Eskimos. Fifth consecutive win at Investors Group Field. Bowman's going to be in motion for Riley as he waits for the football now. Second and eight for the Eskimos. Riley waits, throws, and he's got Walker open. Oh, what a catch by Walker. He's at the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Darrell Walker. Wow, that was magical. Riley to Walker, and the Eskimos will take the lead for the first time in the football game.
1: So there you go. In no particular order, apparently, (laughs) the Eskimos win by a score of 20 to 16, and uh, they capture their second straight win, and also... uh, get their first road win as well the first win win on the road and if you're a road team you're getting a lot of wins 3 12 and one is the record of the home team not so good so uh, the Eskimos are at home on Saturday they're one of only the th- one of only three teams to actually win at home this year so maybe that bodes well so that's kind of a quirky stat that 12 3 and 1 is the uh, or 12 and one is the record of the away team this year. So very, very strange indeed. So um, I would read you a text here, but it's uh, probably not good for error. Uh, But basically the the texter is saying, uh, you know, the Eskimos start slow. And you're right, they do start, start slow. One point has been scored in the fourth quarter this season. That's it. One point in three games. And some pretty impressive numbers in this football game, Mike Raleigh, 465 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Darius Bowman, 10 catches, 185 yards, no touchdowns, 15 targets in the game. Darrell Walker, seven catches for 154 yards and one touchdown. He had 10 targets in the game. Uh, the run game pretty much nullified by Winnipeg's front four, and I thought their front four, front seven played really well. Uh, the deficiencies in their secondary was uh, definitely on display. As far as the uh, defense goes, uh, Deion Lacey, the Will linebacker, eight defensive tackles. Pat Watkins, the uh, boundary corner, I thought played really well. He had six tackles in the game. The JC Sherritt, who we'll hear from later in the show, one defensive tackle, that's it, but he was all around the football. Uh, he had the one interception as well. Eskimos got some quarterback sacks in the game as well. They had three, one from Frank Rubin, one from Armando Sewell, and one from Odell Willis. When we come back on the Eskimo Show here on 6:30, Chad, we'll bring in the head coach of the Green and Gold, Jason Moss.
2: This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio 6:30. Chad,
1: welcome back to the Eskimo Show here on 6:30. Chad, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott tonight. Time now, as we do every week on this show, we bring in the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos, Jason Moss. Jason, thanks for your time tonight. How you doing?
4: Doing great, man. Thanks for having
1: me. Good stuff. Well, uh, you you won your second game in a row, a 2016 win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Definitely a a much different type of game uh, for your club. Uh, A lot of yards, didn't get a lot of points, got enough to win. Your defense really stepped up. Special teams played well. What was your uh, overall assessment when you look back on the film?
4: Um, Kind of exactly what you just said. I mean, offensively, we rolled up a lot of uh, yards, uh, didn't capitalize when we needed to down in the red zone. Had a penalty down there and, um, you know, just stopped ourselves a little bit. Um, more than anything, penalties are the glaring thing that I'm looking at. Again, 12 penalties for our team. You know, we you know we had four on offense, four on defense, four on special teams that hurt our return game. Um, you know, if we can clean up those mistakes, we're probably not looking at a 2016 finish. Um, but having said that, you know, our defense stepped up big. I mean, we scored in the first – play of the fourth quarter and we hold that lead that four point lead the whole rest of the game so that was that was some awesome football play by our defense there at the end seems
1: to be uh you know a common sentiment when you talked about you know if we can cut the penalties down and uh you know mike riley said that to us after the game and darrell walker and you know we've heard a a number of different uh players say that and coaches um how do you address that that penalty situation i know you said you address it but you know now we're we're
4: going to do. We're going to do some different things. I mean, uh, we're going to hold our players accountable. I mean, they're going to. We're, we're going to figure out a way to uh, make them more accountable. I mean, it's them getting on themselves. We're going to start running them after practice. To be quite honest with you, and uh, we're going to get after it old school fashion way. I mean, uh, we've been talking about it, preaching about it. We got our board up there. We're going to show them every week where they stand in the standings, and. We realize that in order to win a Grey Cup here, you have to be at least in the top three of the least amount of penalties in the league. I mean, it's been proven every single year that that's the case. When you're in the bottom end, you just make games much harder on yourself. So the way this league is trending right now with home teams losing and away teams winning and, you know, a lot of parity throughout the league, penalties, you know, help make games close mm-hmm. and um, help keep offenses off the field and defenses on the field. So uh, we're going to go old-fashioned to be quite honest with you and our guys are gonna start running from mistakes. So uh coaches are too. So we're gonna take a get a whole bunch of people really in shape and to the point where they don't wanna run anymore and uh hopefully that's enough. And if not, you know, you start looking at having to do other options. So Uh, We'll try to figure it out the best way we can, though.
1: There you go. There you go. Uh, Jason Moss joining us, head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos tonight on the Eskimo Show here on 630. Chad, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Uh, I know I asked you about uh, Darius Bowman and, you know, where he ranks and, you know, as far as the the receivers that you have seen. I know you've thrown to a lot of great receivers and you've coached a lot of great receivers. Here he comes out again, you know, another uh, stellar performance, 186 yards on on 10 catches. And, uh, I mean, where – I mean, every day you, you you see this guy on film and see him out there uh, working at practice and in games. Uh, how much more impressed are you about this guy? Well, like
4: I guess Darius comes to work every single day. The best part is what you guys don't see. You guys see the fi- final product at the end of the week and what he does on a highlight film or what he does at the game. We see a day in and day out what he does at practice, how hard he works, his commitment in the classroom, uh, the fact that he understands our offense as good as anybody, uh, knows where to line up. We move him around a ton, but physically, I mean, the best part about him is that you know he he can do everything. I mean, he's got no limitations whatsoever. But I think mentally, he knows where he has to be. He knows how to line up. He's smart with the football, smart with the game, and so it allows him to play at a really fast fast pace. And uh, when he, you can do that as an athlete. You know, stop thinking out there and just play. I think that's what you see with the Darius every week. And again, when a guy has no real limitations or no real um negatives on as a receiver you know he's he's a highlight every single week if you ask me and this week you know watching him make the one catch is one of the best catches i've ever seen um but you come to expect stuff like that with the darius then you add uh
1: you know daryl walker into the mix and i don't know is that a one-two punch jason a one-one a or a one-one combo
4: um i mean i like to think it's a one-one combo but you know i think they get complimented very well by the rest of our receivers as well. I mean, we talked about it as a group today. I mean, you look at, you know, what we did in this game and we moved the ball around, had some yards, but we we're in the red zone. The guys that caught the touchdowns, the guys that we had plays for were our other three receivers that do their job. So our our offense is what it is. And, our you know, Mike pulls the trigger based on what the defense gives us. Um, and as long as everyone's in the right spot, the the ball's going to get uh, trickulated to whoever is open. Uh, but no question, I mean, Adarius and Darrell, their skill sets, this you know, through the ceiling. So, I mean, they get more opportunities, uh, and they make a lot with their opportunities. But it takes a whole offense to make it run uh, perfectly. And I think basically looking at last game, what glare, what was glaring to me was how much time Mike had to throw mm-hmm. uh, and was able to see and distrib- distribute the ball because our whole line and our running back protected Mike so well. So whenever you can do that and then you – you know, you sprinkle in what type of receivers we have, very unselfish guys who know what they're doing, all have different skill sets. And then you have a one-two punch with Darrell and uh, Darius It's you know, like I said, as good as there is, um, you know, it's, it leads for some good offense. We just got to take care of the penalties and, um, you know, shore up some things and hopefully we start scoring more points.
1: Jason Moss, joining us tonight, head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos tonight on the Eskimo Show here on 6:30. Chad, Dave Campbell, in for Morley Scott tonight. Uh, I know you and I have had several conversations about your defense, and your message to me was always, "I'm not worried about the defense." And you know, they made the big play to to win the game against the Riders in overtime. And um, there's there a lot of talk though, and even your defensive coordinator Mike Benavides, said, "We got to finish better uh, when we know we're up on a team. We got to take their heart out." Um, full marks of the defense though, you know, it must be nice to look on film and see, you know what we limited them to, to some yards and we also kept them out of the end zone and they only scored 16 points.
4: Yep. No, I mean, that's like I said, it's, uh, to me, the defense played unbelievable. When I look at that score at 20 to 16 to start the fourth quarter and that's what it stays throughout the rest of the game, you know, that's a huge, um, huge mark for plus for our defense and I thought they played great for four quarters and we talked about it as a team we need to play well for four quarters to beat that team um you know I, I think they're going to hit their stride I think they're just going to get better we talked about it at the beginning of the year they're a young group they got great veterans around the young guys but the young guys you know the more games they get the better they're going to become and whenever you put a new defense in scheme wise it's always going to take there's always going to be a learning curve but i think each and every week i think you'll see guys get better at what they do and um, and play better and oh. you know as the confidence grows you know the better we'll play too
1: how much does it help jason to have uh, a veteran coordinator like mike Benavides work with a number of veterans on that defense to to help become
4: the defense that you want to be i mean that's huge i mean like i said we as many young guys as we have we do have veterans that have won championships in this league and you have a a veteran coach who's won championships in this league he's also um played with young defenses before and got them up to speed quickly so um i have all the confidence in the world in mike mike's been around the block he's seen everything um his knowledge his communication skills and the coaches staff that he's put together and works with every day you know, they'll get the guys to play. Like I said, that's why everyone who asked me, I'm not worried about it because <laughs> at the end of the day, I feel like we have the right guys in that group and I just know that they're going to come through um, and, and get better every day. And that's what this is. It isn't a one-game season, two-game season. It's a it's a long journey. Um, and as long as they're peaking at the right times, we're always going to be in every game.
1: It's a very steely resolve your, your team has, and, uh, you know, and, a lot, and, and you mentioned after the game against the Riders, you said you've got to give Chris Jones some credit. You know, he instilled a lot of great values into this team, and one of the values is, you know, they, they're, they're mentally tough. You've got a very mentally tough team, and it doesn't seem like when, you know, the bad moments happen that this team gets phased a lot. That's got to be really comforting as a head coach, that you know that your guys are going to stay in the fight.
4: No question. I mean, we talk about it every week. We're, we're a fighting team. We'll fight to the end, but we also talk about momentum every week and about being mentally strong and mentally tough. And we do talk about scenarios in a game each week about, okay, we went through six scenarios and how did we do? You know, and, and usually in all three games, to be quite honest, you would come out of the positive end of all of them. The score two of the three games has been in our favor and the third game wasn't. But mentally, well, mental, mental toughness-wise, this team's as tough as any team around, and they will fight to the end, and that's a to, attributed to the fact that they are a championship team, um, and they got a lot of championship freaking veterans in their group, and so they understand what it takes to win, and they don't get up, and they don't go down, and all that stuff. They stay an even kill, and they know they just keep fighting to the end, they're going to have an opportunity to win every game. Um that's their mindset and that's what we've tried to instill on in them as coaches, but that mindset's been there and was there. It's just we're trying to get it um just get it sharper, that edge sharper. And that's kind of what our mantra's been all year.
1: I had a couple of players go down with injury. Uh Matt O'Donnell left your uh, right guard with a leg injury and then you lost uh, your nickel your nickel back, Kenny Lather. Any uh, word on, on their status?
4: Um, they're probably gonna be limited a bit in practice this week, but uh they should be goes.
1: Okay, good stuff. Finally, Jason, uh, you face uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats on uh, on Saturday on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, what do you see out of this opponent?
4: Um, you know, they're tenacious. They get after the quarterback on their special teams as, you know, right up there with the best in the league. They got one of the best returners in the league. Uh, offensively, I know they're, you know, um, the younger quarterback in there playing for the first time, starting for the first time, but he's played in some big games uh they got great receivers and a great running back um you know and and they have a head coach that's won everywhere he's been so he'll always have a scheme that's tough to go against so as a group we understand our challenges and understand we need to play again a full 60 minutes to beat these guys you know let's face it right now the league the home team's 3 12 and 1 in our league so if nothing else we need to freaking be focused and ready to roll this week all right,
1: home. Jason, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it. We'll see you on the field tomorrow. Thank you. Jason Moss, head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. Three 12-1 home teams are this season. All right. So you think uh, that doesn't bode well for the Eskimos. Well, they're one of the three home teams that have actually won this year. So we'll see what happens on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Hamilton Tiger Cats coming to town on Saturday to play the Eskimos. 3.30 is the pregame show right here on 6.30. Chad will kick it off just after 5 o'clock. Still got to get to Rick Zamperin from CHML Radio in Hamilton. And up next, middle linebacker, J.C. Sherrod. It's the Eskimo Show. Here on 630 Chad Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott.
2: You're listening to The Eskimo Show on Eskimo's Radio, 630 Chad, Welcome back
1: to The Eskimo Show here on 630 Chad, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this evening. And, uh, you know, the highlight of the game as far as I'm concerned, and there's some great offensive performances, uh, Mike Raleigh and Darius Bowman and Darrell Walker, but I thought the real story of the game was the play of the defense, and the talk about it is uh, middle linebacker J.C. Sherritt. J.C., welcome back to The uh, Eskimo Show here on 630 Chad, How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Uh ah, th- no problem at all. Uh, appreciate your time and uh 20 to 16 win. The Eskimos over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh the defense really had a, a strong performance uh only allowing 16 points. Uh 328 net yards of offense. Uh that must have felt good uh to to really limit the Bombers offensively.
2: Absolutely. Um you know, obviously we, we know with our offense um When we play solid football, we're going to have a great shot to win. That's just how it is. And we hold ourselves to a high standard, a standard we weren't playing those first two weeks. So, um, you know, just to constantly be improving week to week is something that we're very proud of yeah, that was a pretty drastic change
1: i mean you you gave up 81 points in the first two games a lot of yards of offense and then all of a sudden you have that kind of performance why do you think it was so abrupt the change going the other way because sometimes you see it gradual but this was quite the 180 turn
2: well i've said from the beginning we believe and we love our scheme it's just the players have to get it down and we got to learn to play with each other and And while we're a veteran team in certain spots, we do have a lot of young guys and guys making their first start. So you're going to naturally go through growing pains. But um, what you have to see is improvement, and that's what we saw all the way across the board. Um, I thought our young guys stepped up and played great, and I think it showed. I think one player
1: I want to highlight in particular is Tyler Thornton, who was uh, brought onto the lineup because Gary Peters uh, injured in practice uh, last week, and unfortunately he's out – well, he's on the six-game injured list. So you lose Kenny Ladler in the game at at the nickel spot. Here comes Tyler Thornton, and didn't look out of place.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's – to get thrown in, you get called up, and now all of a sudden you're starting your first CFL game or you're seeing your first action – Not a lot of people can handle that the way he did. So to see him step up and make plays, um, not only it showed, you know, what kind of a player he is, but what kind of depth we have. And we know in this game, uh, you're only as good as your depth.
1: Yeah, for sure. J.C. Sherritt joins us, middle linebacker for the Edmonton Eskimos tonight on 630 Chad uh, on the Eskimo show on 630 Chad Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott this evening. That front four, I mean, uh, we all know what they can do, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about this group, and, you know, not just are they getting enough sacks, or were they getting enough pressure on the quarterback, and I think they answered a lot of questions on
2: Thursday. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, a lot of that comes from people just look at sack numbers, but they've had a really good three games Mm -hmm. where um, you you need to look more at uh, myself in coverage or or the secondary not covering the way we should to pay those guys off. So, uh, you know, it feels just as good for us when they get sacked because we know we're doing our job. Um, And I think that that really showed just when we play together as a D, uh, that's when great things are going to happen. Tell me about
1: your game and especially I want to talk about the interception uh, uh, that, uh, you know, you're put in a tough spot. Uh, unfortunately, you turn the ball over and then you get the ball back uh, thanks to your interception. And that was that's a tough spot for a defense to be in, but uh, you found a way to pull yourself out of it. Uh, tell me about that interception.
2: Yeah, you know, it was just it was a route combination. We, we'd seen a lot on film and, and luckily, uh, you know, I broke on it and, and the ball was there for me. But... Um, You know, that wasn't the only time we stepped up as a defense. I mean, the following series, we did it again. And I think that that's the steps we have to take if we want to be Great, And that, that's the standard we're trying to hold ourselves to, is you've got to be able to respond in those adverse situations. And
1: You know, Andrew Harris has been uh, such a tyrant towards this team for the last five years as a member of the Lions. And, you know, you take away the one play, it was a pretty good night. Uh, and the one play I'm talking about, a screen pass for about 40-plus
2: yards. Uh, it was a good night against Andrew Harris because he, he was the key. Yeah, uh, I mean, we know how talented he is, and um, we could look at the percentages on the sheet and and see how much of their offense flowed through him. So he was definitely uh, uh, a concern for us and somebody we wanted to limit, and it, it took all 12 of us, but I think we did a great job. Like you said, you take that one play out, uh, and it was a great night.
1: You know uh- – I want to get your thoughts on this, and you know, I don't. Obviously, I'm not going to ask you to to just roll out your scheme on live radio. That's never going to happen. I know that. <laughs> but you know, when uh, I know we we were talking to uh, you know Mike O'Shea, for example, and even Drew Willy was talking about the differences from a uh, Chris Jones coach defense from uh, Mike Benavides coach defense, and they basically said you know they really rely on the front four under under Mike Benavides But is that accurate? And Maybe on, from a general sense, what is different about this defense compared to the, the defense you were under the last two years?
2: Well, yeah, I think the, the biggest difference that pops out is the amount of three-man front and four-man front. Um, and, and we do rely on our big guys because uh, they're the most talented guys on our team, just to be honest. You know, as a group, um, that front four is special. So it, it gives us a little leeway with them where we can play things around them um, and from a linebacker standpoint, it's, it's a whole lot of fun to play behind.
1: Yeah, for sure. Middle linebacker JC Sherritt joining us here on the Eskimo show here on 630 Ched, Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott tonight. Uh, I think what has to be satisfying uh, must be the the finish. And, you know, talking to Mike Benavides uh, early last week in preparations for, for the Bombers and you know, going back to the previous week, about 33-19, uh, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, and then the Riders come back and, and end up uh, taking the lead late in that game. And he said, you know what, we, we talked about finish, and we talked about killer instinct. And you know, when you have a team down like that, you have to take their heart out. Uh, is that a process, though? And you mentioned it's, it's, it's you know, you're learning a new system. You got young guys mixed with, uh, with veteran guys. But is that a process to develop that, that killer instinct?
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, you got to learn how to be successful. It's not just something you do, uh, it comes through experience and the way we prepare, the way we take our coaching. All those things play a part. So it, it was a huge stride for us um, to be put in that situation the fourth quarter uh, and, and come out and make plays time and time again. And that's, like I said, you know, that's the standard we're going to hold ourselves to every game. So you've won two
1: straight. The, the goal is to win three straight now against the Hamilton Tiger Cats this Saturday. What do you think it's going to take for this team to really get on that role and become a much better team? And it's, only, it's really early in the season, but what is this team going to have to do to, to really achieve greater things this season?
2: Well, I mean, what it comes down to is limiting big plays and creating turnovers. Uh, When you do that in this league, when you do that, when you got Mike Riley uh, as your quarterback, you're going to have a shot to win every single game. So we just got to continue to improve, make sure we're limiting any mental errors, uh, because obviously, you know, maybe we got away with it that game, but now it's on film and it's going to be exploited. So we got to make sure that that we correct everything we did wrong. Uh, And then bottom line is we just got to go make plays. Very good.
1: All right, J.C., thanks for your time tonight. Congratulations on the uh, win a 2016, win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, I know uh, you get going with uh, the preps, uh, the preparation on the field for Hamilton uh, tomorrow. So uh, thank you very much for your time. All right, thanks for having me. All right, there you go. J.C. Sherritt, middle linebacker of the Eskimos, who you know, sus- uh, stats-wise had a very quiet game with uh, one defensive tackle, but he also got an interception as well. So uh that's uh that's huge so uh and he has been a mainstay on that defense and there's been a lot of changes to that defense of course the uh, most importantly the the system and then you had you know aaron grimes and willie jefferson dexter mccoyle for the nfl you lose otha foster to the riders and these are probably you know these were going to be questions i think anyway if chris jones stayed they probably lose those players anyway but uh Chris Jones left too. We all know the stories, and uh, this is a defense that's uh, coming together. And they still have a lot of work to do. There's still some question marks in that secondary. Um, I thought they played well, but I thought they also played well because of that front four. So um, when they're gonna when they need a play for their front four, you know, can they get it done? And I still think that's something that's uh, you know still a question mark at this point. But the defense, hey, they did some really good things. I mean, you look at the stats this week, and they knocked their average points allowed total by about eight points so and it's very early in the season but uh you know they're allowing something like 32 points per game on average that's still way too much but you know that's better than what the total was you know at the beginning of uh last week before week four started so uh but let's put it this way i mean they were averaging 40 points a game they gave up 16 Uh, against the winnipeg blue bombers so that's very impressive so uh this uh text comes in at 6 30 6 30 what's with all the conferences the refs had slowed the game down so much and was it me or were they calling every single little thing not saying that they shouldn't uh be calling penalties but it seemed to be getting excessive well when you look at the uh stats uh the eskimos had 12 penalties for 114 yards and the bombers had 14 penalties for 136 yards so you know, I think it's a combination of a, you know, it's a combination of the players. You know, they got to be accountable first. And they got to know what's being called out there and what it, what isn't. Uh, and I think, secondly, I think the crews themselves have to be a bit better. And um, I didn't think Al Bradbury's crew had a great night, to be honest with you. But I think overall, it's down to. Uh, the accountability of the players, and that's you know what coaches are going to always look to, even though you know deep down they're probably not happy with a few calls that were made. But the Eskimos, uh, you know, they got to they got to fix this problem. And you heard Jason Moss earlier in the show talk about uh, you know maybe we just need to run players more after practice, and call players out some more, maybe sit some players down if we have to. So you hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, but uh, the Eskimos uh, definitely got to clean things up, no question. You you look at two years ago. They were one of the top teams in the league in, in the amount of penalties they took. And you look at last season, they were one of the lowest teams in, as far as the number of penalties they took. And, oh, they won the Grey Cup. It's 8.45. We'll head off to Hamilton in a moment. We'll uh, check in on the tie cast. They're the opponents for the Eskimos on Saturday on the Eskimo Show here on 630 Chet.
2: This is the Eskimo Show with Morley Scott on Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched.
1: Final segment of the Eskimo show here on 630 Chad Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott. Uh, we head out to Hamilton. We talked to Rick Zamperin of CHML Radio in Hamilton. Uh, Rick, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Hey,
3: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me
1: on. Well, this has always been, uh, a, a, to me, a very... Uh, entertaining matchup every time the Eskimos and the Tiger Cats uh, uh, play each other. And and this, to me, Rick, has been the one team that has given the Eskimos a lot of fits. I know they've had a couple of wins in the last two seasons, but uh, you look at that offense, it's been pretty scary when Zach Caleros has been in it. And regardless, this is a defense that is still pretty ferocious, even though they lost lost some people in the offseason.
3: You know, my, my comments right back to you are a carbon copy. The Eskimos have given the Tiger Cats fits over the last number of years. When Mike Riley is healthy, he's lethal, and, and that offense uh, can click on different cylinders when he's going. And that defense is scary. We all know that, uh, you know, a few pieces left in the off season, but uh, lo and behold, that Edmonton unit is still a very, uh, you know, high-octane uh, defensive presence, and, and when they want to play some offensive ball too, they're they're pretty good at that. And you know, for the Tiger Cats, you mentioned one guy who we're kind of waiting to see, and that's Zach Caleros, who said actually seven days ago today that 20 days ago, so if you're doing the math, 27 days ago, he said he was quote unquote a full go.
1: Here
3: mm-hmm. ups with the Hamilton Tiger Cats who hold the strings. Um, when you read between the lines, we're not allowing him to play. So I think he's he's as close as he's going to be to getting on the field. It's just a matter of Kent Austin and the higher-ups uh, to officially make that announcement. So we're, we're pretty much uh,
1: guaranteed that it's going to be Ger- Jeremiah Mazzoli at quor- starting a quarterback on, uh, on Saturday when uh, we get things going just after 5 o'clock uh, on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium here. Uh, so how close is Zach Caleros to actually seeing the field? As uh, you mentioned, it seems like he's a full go, but for some reason the club is saying, well,
3: we're going to hold you back a little bit. Yeah, I think, uh, you know what, I I think if this was the great cup or if it was, you know, a playoff game or a very important game, like they had to win to make the playoffs, uh, something with, you know, a lot of weight to it, I think they would say, all right, Zach, you're in. The fact of the matter is they've invested heavily in him financially signing into a three-year contract extension, uh, reportedly in excess of $1.5 million. Uh, obviously a guy who has a lot of talent. He's a, a super competitor. He always wants to be on the field. But they're looking at the long-term uh, goal, and that is to win multiple Grey Cups year in and year out. And they can't do that with Zach Galaros on the shelf or on the sideline. So they're saying, you know, let's let's uh, endure some short-term pain uh, for some long-term gain. And uh, And that's, I think, why they held him out This past week, of course, he just came off the six-game injured list. He hasn't Mm -hmm. practiced with the team, so I think that would have been a rush job against Montreal. Against Edmonton, I think there's a splinter of hope that he's going to play, although my brothers say he won't because they have the bye next week and then they're in Winnipeg. So I think against the Blue Bombers will be game number one.
1: Right. Okay. As, uh, we're talking with Rick Samper from uh, CHML Radio in Hamilton here on the Eskimo Show on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell in for Morley Scott tonight. You mentioned uh, the game in Montreal, uh, the Ticats winning by a score of 31-7. to uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, at quarterback, and he's been the starting quarterback since week one. Uh, we, we've we seen, it just feels like to me, we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly from Masoli. Uh, where where would you, uh, how would you evaluate his uh, performance so far through four games?
3: I, I would say overall below average. I think the expectations coming in were, were a little bit higher than average because of the way he played in the playoffs, especially in the East Division final against Ottawa, in which they narrowly lost to the Red Blacks. And especially through training camp and then beating up on the Argos at BMO Field in game number one to open the season, he played a remarkable game in that one. So I think the expectations were only elevated. But since then, he has uh, really stumbled and bumbled. Uh, And I'll include last week uh, as well. It wasn't uh, an enthralling kind of endorsement of, hey, I'm back. Uh, He has really um, uh, turned the ball over. He has had miscues with his receivers. He just doesn't seem to be improving. I think he's regressing, if anything, since week number one. Um, and we just don't know what we're going to get out of him, let alone every game, but uh, you know, each series and, and how he's going to move this offense. They have a lot of weapons on the field. You can look at the depth chart, look at the roster, but it just does not seem to be clicking.
1: But it helps to have Brandon Banks on the roster, eh? Just just what, <laughs> what a difference maker he is, and uh, it proved it again last Friday. If things were not going uh, the Cats way, well, an 86-yard punt return for a touchdown sure changed the complexion of that game.
3: Well, as we know, football there's three phases to it: offense, defense, and special teams. The offense wasn't doing anything. The defense is playing well, and lo and behold, at any moment, Brandon Banks, as you guys had entered to know with Gizmo Williams all those years, it just takes one little crack, and uh, he uh, he found that crack with a great uh, you know burst upfield, and he was gone. And at any point in any punt or any kick return Brandon Banks can make you pay so the tie cats obviously lucky to have a weapon like that he's not um, well used on offense i think they can get a little bit more out of him offensively but uh, man when you have that speed and that uh, you have you know the uh, tactical uh, deployment of your blockers uh, from special teams coordinator jeff reinbold uh, it's a recipe for success uh, many times and he has proven time and time again that, uh, he can use that speed to, to his advantage and uh, and make big plays.
1: I am I'm pretty impressed with with the defense though and this seems to be the 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 best phase of uh, of the team and uh they're they're the second best team in the league in average points allowed, they're the best team in the league in average yards allowed per game and uh you got uh only one returning starter from that D-line last year and that's uh former Eskimo Ted Laurent. You got John Chick in there and Adrian Tracy, what's what's a defensive end getting 11 tackles for? I mean, like, <laughs> what, how the heck does he do that on on the defensive uh, on the defensive line? But uh, you know, Orlando Steinauer always finds a way to uh, you know to to put the pieces together, and uh, it just seems like you know uh, Ken Austin and and Eric Tillman, who's the GM now, they always seem to find good talent, and you see a lot of it on their defense.
3: Uh, I would agree, and you know that was you know aside from the health of Zach Caleros, that was probably the biggest question mark because. Aside from Ted Loren, and aside from Simone Lawrence, and aside from Courtney Stephen, who moved from the wide side corner to the safety position, uh, those three guys were, you know, uh, game one starters last season. Uh, the rest really are, are new, fa- uh, new uh, faces, whether they're guys from a depth position moving on up or guys moving to different positions. Uh, it hasn't been a, a complete makeover, but a lot of new guys are on this team, and uh, we all thought maybe there would be a transition period on defense, but they really picked up where they left off last season. They're not getting a whole lot of sacks although the last game they did with eight against Montreal, uh, but the pressures are there. Uh, guys can make tackles. They're fundamentally sound. They're getting some turnovers here and there, scoring off those turnovers. Uh, so the defense, I think, is the least of Hamilton's worries right now. They're playing well.
1: Yeah, they sure are. And uh, that's uh, always been a tough matchup for the Eskimos offensively. We'll see what happens now that Jason Moss uh, is at the helm of the Ottawa Red, or uh, formerly of the Ottawa Red Blacks, at the helm of the uh, uh, Edmonton Eskimos now. You know, and I think uh, I think Jason Moss had some success against that defense last year of Hamilton's led by uh, defensive coordinator Orlando Steinauer. But they are good. And uh, we talk about sacks, uh, the most sacks in the league Right now, 17, six clear of the Montreal Alouettes, who have 11. The Eskimos, by the way, they're a third from the bottom. They have five quarterback sacks after three in the uh, game against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So uh, the sack's starting to come a little bit for the Eskimos. But it will take place the next game for the Eskimos against the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. It will be a 3:30 pregame show. Five o'clock is the kickoff. The two and one Eskimos and the two and two Hamilton Tiger Cats with Florida. Your halftime performance. We'll look forward to that. Yes, we will. I'll be back here seven days' time for the Eskimo show. Uh, right here on 6:30 Ched, as I'm in for Morley Scott, who's in for Bruce Bowie on the 6:30 Chad Morning News. Eskimos Tie Cats coming up on Saturday. And, uh, of course, we'll keep you updated on any practice news. Good news for Matt O'Donnell, right guard, and nickelback uh, Kenny Ladler in that linebacking core, Looks like uh, maybe limited in practice. Both hurt last game but should play on Saturday. All right, folks, we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the Eskimo Show here on The Voice of the Eskimos, 630 Chad. Good night.